Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. Alright, so today I'm going to bother somebody, I know. And I don't mean to do it. Hey, if if you are, then consider what God is trying to tell you today. But we're going to focus on how we can walk in the will of God without necessarily having to, air quotes, hear God's voice. Is it possible? Should we focus on that? What's the big deal? So that is going to be our narrative today. What is our response to God's love for us? And we tied in our purpose. And if you guys remember, if you watched last week, we talked about, if you were here with us last week, I mentioned that in order to live out our purpose, God's purpose for our life, we have to lay down our preference. I'm going to say that again. So we have to lay down our preferences in order to live out his purpose. Y'all follow even the personal, uh, the, the possessive pronouns and all that that I'm using, right? It's, uh, you know, we want to do things our way, but God's plan, God's purpose is a little different. But I know when I, when I said that, I know there was going to have to be another question that somebody might have had, because in me telling you, all right, you got to lay down your preferences in order to figure out, in order to live out God's purpose. I think the question next that you should think of, or this is the one I would have thought of, and I'm sure some of you as well is, well, then what is God's purpose? Because I can better understand what my preferences are when I compare them to his purpose. Does that make sense, right? And that logical? And so once I know what his purposes are, then I'll know what, oh, this is my preference. I need to lay that down. So that means that we have to ask the question, well, what is God's purpose for my life? And in order to figure out God's purpose for my life, there's another question that everybody, I'll, I'll say everybody, maybe, a lot of people struggle with is, well, in order to understand God's purpose, don't I need to know God's voice, right? Don't I need to hear from God in order to know his purpose? So then how, how do I know and how can I hear God's voice? And how do I know it's his voice and not mine? And I'm not talking to myself. Anybody ever been in one of those weird little moments? Okay, look at that. I'm, I'm already seeing from some smiles. I'm like, oh, good. I'm not the only crazy one. Okay. Yeah, you're not. I've been there. I know. And so that's the interesting one. And, and when we look at all of those things, what is God's purpose? What is my voice? And I want us to be cautious of one thing before we dive into his word, because I want you guys to avoid the two extremes that can happen to anybody when you obsess about this, because this is something that we can obsess. Do you know that God's calling for your life can be an idol, right? You can be so focused on your calling that you actually miss out on the God who's calling you. That's the priority there. So God's purpose for your life can be an idol. We can obsess about it so much. I know because I've done it, all right? I'm that guy. And uh, when you obsess about it, here's the thing. You, you are in danger of doing one or two things. If you obsess about God's purpose for your life and what I need to do and figuring it out, um, you're going to run the risk of burning out or missing out. Those are the extremes that I want to help you to avoid. How can I find God's purpose? How can I hear his voice without burning out and, and missing out? And why are those those two options? Again, when you obsess about this. Because for a lot of us, man, I know, like, if I, I'm the guy, let me just say it this way. I'm the guy who burnt out, okay? Um, I felt uh, when everything just kind of opened up to me and I started to realize, 
oh my gosh, God is real and I, and I am a sinner and he did forgive me and he does love me. I was so overwhelmed by his love. All I wanted to do was live for him. And I was those, I was that guy that just went in, you know, insane and, 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 you know, all the way, whatever I can do, I'm going to do it. I went over the top. All right. I think that's a little bit of my, uh, um, you know, hyper focus and hyper fixation that I do. And so that's just me. And so I did everything and I, I, I served all the time. I did this. I did that. read every book that I could. And I was really concerned with God, what is your purpose for my life? Because I felt like I got a second chance. And my fear was, here it is. I don't want to blow this. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to go to heaven only to realize that he had all of this for me to do, and I only did a quarter of it, right? Anybody ever been there before? And so, so now my motivation to live out for, for God is not motivated out of love. It's actually motivated out of fear because I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to feel like, really, after all I did for you, that's the effort that you gave me? Wow, thanks, I guess. I didn't want that reaction from God. I didn't want that. So I overcompensated. And then here I am because I was so focused on this. I'm, I'm all right, where's God's voice? What does he want from me? Every dream that I had was, was from him. Every, you know, every, you know, goosebump I got was, was from him. Every song on the radio, every this. I'm out here trying to decipher, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to cure cancer out here. We're figuring out everything. Like, I'm, I'm out there like that. And, and then I, I baptized my own voice thinking it was God's. And then I burnt out doing a thousand things with no purpose, no focus. And I burnt out doing things that he never told me to do. I burnt out. And so then you got some people that do that. Maybe I guarantee you we're going to have some people in here. And then you got the opposite side. What do I mean the miss out? Well, in my case where I felt like, man, I, I hear God all the time. I see him everywhere. I got this. I, I used, to, I used to journal a lot. I stopped journaling because it got embarrassing. Because I started to look back at my journals and literally, almost like clockwork, I figured it out. <laughs> I figured it out, I know, oh my gosh, yes, this is it. I know what I'm doing. Four months later, I look at my journal entry. Yeah, I was wrong. Like, so, and then I was, and I was, and then again, I'm like, but now I know, and now I got it. And um, yeah. I need to stop, you know? And so I, I, that was just me. I burnt out, overcomposed. I was like, Ugh. but then there's the other side. And I know I've heard this. Well, I can't hear God's voice. Pastor, I can't, I can't, I, I don't know. I want to know, what do I do? What do I do this? What's that? What's his purpose? And really, when you ask your purpose, aren't you really asking, who should I marry? What school should I go to? Where should I move? What job should I have? You know, like things like that. But so then you got those that don't know and they can't figure out and they can't. And because they can't discern God's voice, they do nothing. And then you end up missing out on something God could have done. Do you, you see the extremes there? You see what I'm talking about? And so this is a very healthy thing. So we are going to look at today when we're talking about, all right, what is God's purpose? How do we do this? Especially, especially when it comes to hearing him. And so we're going to look at Paul's second missionary journey in order to see how we can walk in God's will even when we can't hear his voice. Does that sound interesting? I hope so, because if not, this, this is what you're going to get. So anyways, all right, you can't return this, all right? So let's go back. All right, let's go to Acts 16. We're going to read this together. We're going to read this whole narrative together, and then we're going to go back and talk about it. So we're in Acts chapter 16. We're going to go all the way from chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 6. And we're going to go all the way to verse 15. 
All right? So we got it. So we got it on the screen, online. I got it for you if you don't. And everybody should have your Bible as well. Let me do one quick pause. And if you're watching online, we are going to do communion at the end of today. So if you want to, like, run at some point and grab... Look, I'll allow it if you grab Oreos and milk. I'll allow it this time. All right, but just figure something out. All right, anyways. Let's read Acts 16, starting at verse 6. So Luke, who's the author, he says, they. And just to give context, they is Paul, the missionary team of Paul, Silas, Timothy, those three. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had been for, listen to these words, and we're going to come back to this. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word, the gospel, the good news in Asia. That's weird. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Man, God's kind of like, he's all over this. Which, by the way, if anybody was confused, wait a minute, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, what is that? It's the same thing. Luke is literally just describing the same thing with two different expressions. But what's so cool about this is that we have an early church Um, view of their view of God, of Jesus. And they didn't see Jesus as just a good man, a good teacher. For for Luke to be able to say the spirit of Jesus following the Holy Spirit of God tells us that the church from day one believed that Jesus was God himself. So that's a high view of God, just in case anybody gets confused. So, but obviously, hold on. God's kind of like all being a little negative here. Don't say that. Don't go there. Verse eight, he says, passing by, the team is just kind of moving along. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Uh, During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him. Cross over to Macedonia and help us. That's it. After he had seen the vision, Paul had seen the vision, we, oh, it's a different pronoun there. We immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. Now, guys, that little shift, it was subtle. It was they, they, now we, us. This tells us that starting now, Luke, the author of the book, has now joined the missionary team. So the missionary team is a group of four. So from now on, when we read the book of Acts, you are going to see way more details than normal because the author, Luke, is now an eyewitness. So Luke is present at the same time. So that's an interesting thing because his Inclusion is going to tell us a lot as well about what is said and what is not said. So here we go. They figured it out. All right, let's go to Macedonia. Verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and we sailed straight to Samothrace and the next day to Neapolis. From there to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city in the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for how many days? Several days. So that's a reason uh, we'll come back. On the Sabbath day... We went outside of the city um, by the river. Why? Where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the who? Women gathered there. And a God-fearer woman, a God-fearing woman, which is a God-fearer every time you see it. This is a non-Jew who believed in the God of the Jews, okay? So she's not, uh, she didn't officially become Jewish. She's not dressing Jewish, acting Jewish. She's not Jewish, but she believes in the God of the Jewish people. A God-fearing woman named Lydia was there. A dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. She was listening. So that's an interesting detail because the, the purple cloth back then, guys, you didn't buy purple cloth unless you were rich. This was the cl- clothing for, for royalty, all right? So Lydia, is she's the Gucci and uh, Prada distributor of her time, 
all right? Her clientele is elite. That's who she's dealing with. But for whatever reason, we see her here, and she's praying. She's listening. And now look at this next verse. In verse, uh, still, I guess we're still in 14. A God-fearing woman, she was listening. Then the Lord opened her heart. She, the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After, after her, um, I'm sorry, after she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at home, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So that can maybe seem a little weird, guys, but just so you know, uh, especially with Middle Eastern culture, and in this case, during that time, hospitality was a big deal. And so for someone to invite a stranger over, that's a big deal. But also, this is meant to show us that her conversion was genuine, that she actually did believe in Jesus, that God did something in her life on the riverside that Saturday morning, Sabbath day. And this was just a sign that she was a believer. So interesting little story there. So we're going to look at the whole thing. And we're going to see, again, Luke was there. The author was there. And he made sure to say some things, but interesting what he didn't say. So let's kind of look, let's, let's look at something. So the, the conclusion at the end was how the Lord opened up the Lord opened up Lydia's heart, but there was a lot of things that were opened up prior. So let's look at the first one. First one, first point I want to make is this, that this missionary team, guys, was open to God's direction. Did we see that throughout the whole beginning? At the very beginning, this missionary team was opened to God's direction. Now, some of us, if uh, you guys weren't here the last couple weeks, um, in Acts 13, which we did uh, about a month or so ago, Paul went on his first missionary journey. This was his second one. We just started to look at the beginning of a second one. And what's interesting about the first time Luke says, when Paul wanted to go on his first missionary journey, you know what Luke makes sure to include? The Holy Spirit prophesied through certain individuals and said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the task that I have for them. And so the first missionary journey came with a, thus saith the Lord. All right. Did you guys hear that phrase? any time we were just reading the story just now no yeah don't feel bad and i was like yeah, did i i was like no no you didn't okay you didn't there was no the saith the lord this time in fact when paul decided to go on the second missionary journey the second one when he organized it luke didn't include hey paul goes to barnabas hey man you know what god put it on my heart god spoke to me yesterday and he says to go on another no you know what paul it says Paul goes to Barnum and say, hey, you know what's a good idea? It's been some time since we saw uh, and we went by all those towns where we preached the gospel. I think it's a good idea for us to go visit them. Make sure they're doing okay. Um, he didn't need God to tell them, love one another, because God already spoke that, right? And he spoke once in Acts 13. Go and tell and love and show. And so that kind of was assumed and, and went with it. So Paul didn't make this decision to go on a second because he heard the voice of God again. He's just doing what God told him to do the first time. But then also, did you see those weird verbs? What was the Holy Spirit doing throughout the beginning of that story? He was doing a lot of negative stuff, right? At the first, it said in, Acts, uh, in, in verse 6, did you hear the word forbid? That's a heavy word. The Holy Spirit forbid Paul to spread the gospel in Asia. That sounds, I was like, I think, isn't that what you're, we're supposed to do? But, uh, you know, when we look at it, it was like, you got to ask, well, why? I mean, right now, it, we've been covering our, this whole story, guys, and for now a few decades, 
The gospel has been spreading all throughout Asia. In fact, at this point, some guys like Thomas has already gone to India and and some extent even China. And so the gospel has spread throughout this known world in Africa and all these places very quickly. And so we can already see the fact that he went to Europe, which by the way, this is where Lydia was found. So this is the very first conversion of someone in Europe. The story you just read is the first time the gospel of Jesus was preached in Europe. And a woman, Lydia, was saved at that time. And so we already kind of see, well, God's kind of saying, yo, I got a lot of concentration in Asia. Paul, I need you to go to Europe. But the Holy Spirit didn't tell him that, right? Do you think that would have been a little easier from just being clear with me, bro? Like, if you're going to tell me no, the Holy Spirit could have said, no, I need you to go to Europe. All right, cool, bet. That sounds easy. But there was a forbidden no, no, no. And then the other one, right? Well, ha, let's go over here to this town. And the spirit of the living God, what did it do? He did not allow. Now, again, interesting, guys, is we don't know how this is happening. We don't know if there's a prophecy. We don't know if there was a vision. We don't know if there's a dream. We didn't know if God is speaking directly. But there is something that this team is able to feel like, yo, there's a lot of negativity happening. There's a lot of obstruction here. And they came to the realization, yo, this is God trying to tell us no. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those moments when you're seeing a lot of negative things happening. And I think our default setting as Christians is what? rebuke the devil, right? That's kind of like our default setting. If something is not going the way we want it to go, we think it's an attack. We think it's something negative. And it's important for us to understand when negativity is happening, are we to persevere through it? Or in this case, are we supposed to shift? Right? That's an interesting one. I remember we were having this talk with a bunch of people and my wife very wisely said, Hey, listen, guys, sometimes every open door is not God and every closed door is not the devil. Process that. Sometimes God, the devil might open up what looks like a good door. Hey, come this way. It's going to look good. And sometimes God will slam a door in your face because it's not what's best for you. Though you may think, oh, that sounds awkward. That sounds weird. Why? But that's interesting. So here we see there's an obstruction to a good thing. They, they, all they want to do is tell people about Jesus. And you would think, oh, that's the devil. He doesn't want us to preach. He doesn't want us to do this. He doesn't want us to do that. But this team wisely was able to discern, wait a minute. This negativity is not the devil. This negativity is not demonic. It's actually God. So God might have something else for us. What is it? We don't know yet. Because all we're getting is a no. So if you've ever, online especially, if you've ever gotten to this place where you feel like God's not giving you enough details, you're in good company, all right? And so it's normal. Because there's, this is part of God showing us how to live by faith and trusting in him and learning to grow. And so we see the forbidden. We see the don't allow. But then in verse 10, oh, didn't we see that vision, right? Oh, well, Paul got the vision. They were obedient to the no, obedient to that second no. And then God got a vision. You know what Luke didn't say? And then Paul received the vision from the Lord. That's not there. It just said Paul got a vision. Paul got an idea. He saw this man, a Macedonian man, and said, come help us. And it was interesting that in verse 10, you know what the team, including Luke, said? We concluded that it was the Holy Spirit. There was no, the Macedonian says, thus saith the Lord, come and help us. We don't see that. So, and even Paul, when he finished his dream, he didn't run and said, God gave me a vision. He didn't say that neither. Again, Luke was there. 
So it looks like he got a vision like, hey, guys, we've got a lot of negativity here. I don't know why, bro. I got this vision. And they talked about it, which then leads us to the second point. They were first open to God's direction, but they were also open to discussion. And the team all got together and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm sure they've been doing that in the other two negative things. When they saw the opposition, I'm sure they were prayerfully talking about this. Hey, let's process this. What's going on? What's really happening? Oh, man, this is, this is, uh, God doesn't want us to do this. And so now they're hearing this vision. Could have been from God? I think so. But notice again the lack of thus saith the Lord's and stuff. It's interesting because when God speaks, there's always a thus saith the Lord. So we see that. And so they were able to conclude, oh, you know, I think God wants us to go. So let's go. And you know what they didn't find this time? Opposition. They didn't find opposition. They're like, oh, okay. I think we're on the right route, guys. I think we're, we're good. You know, God is kind of like redirecting us and let's keep going. And so I thought that was interesting. They were open to direction. They were open to discussion. You know, they had to assess the dream. But you know the other thing that they did? When they got to the city, what did they do? How long were they in the city before they went to that riverbed? Do you guys remember? I had you repeat it out loud. How many days? So they were there for several days. Now, why? I don't know. Maybe they were praying. Maybe, you know, it didn't say, and the Lord said, stop. And you know, like God's out here like GPS. No, left, right, redirecting. No, he's not doing that, recalculating. They just stopped. And they're like, all right, well, hey, let's check this out. Let's kind of feel it out. And they started, I'm sure they had to assess the scenario. And they're looking at that town, Philippi, and they're saying, all right, well, what's here? Okay, what's not here? They noticed that there was no synagogue, because this was Paul's MO. Paul had a plan. What he would do is he would go to a town, he would go to the Jews first in a synagogue and tell them, guys, you know that Messiah that you've been waiting for? Yo, he showed up, all right? And so he always went to the Jews first to let them know that the Messiah, that, the, that God had promised them. The, all of the promises of Abraham and Isaac, all of this had been fulfilled in Christ. So he always went to the Jews first, which was pretty cool. And then, depending on how they responded, then he would go and tell everybody else. But here he realized, yo, there's no synagogue in this town. And so did you see it said that we went to the river outside of the city expecting to find somebody praying. How confident were they in that? They were. That sounds like an educated guess. You know what? There's no synagogues here, meaning there's not enough Jews in here. But where there, where there is no synagogues, the few remaining Jews, because you had to have at least 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue. And so the few remaining Jews would always find a house of, or would find some place to pray. They would usually do it on the Sabbath day outside of the city near a body of water. So you can see what they did. They made, they, they used their logic, their reason. We got to find some Jews. Where are some Jews going to hang out when there's no synagogue? I know, let's go here because this is what Jews tend to do and they'll just surface. So, you know, instead of going, hey, um, are you a Jew? No, 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 no. Are you a Jew? No. Are you a Jew? No. Instead of doing that, they made a wise assessment and they showed up. And what did they find there? A bunch of women. You know, that's an interesting one too, because who was the dream about? A man. It, here's the thing. If they would have been so hyper-focused on that dream, some, this is what some people interpret dreams to do today. You know what it, Paul would have done and some people would have done? They would have been just looking for that one man. 
Where's that one man? I had that vision of that one man. God gave me a vision of one man. Where's that one man? Oh, it's just a bunch of women here. Nah, where's that man? Where's that man? Some people would have done that. But notice that they showed up and did, were they looking for a man? Mm-mm. He, they just kind of sensed, you know what? This is not a specific man that's saying help us. This is just a general thing. And so there's a bunch of women. Were they discouraged? No men here. No, they were like, all right. This is who's here. Let's talk. And so they made that, they, uh, they assessed the dream together. They assumed about the crowd. And there was the men and women there. And here's what they did. They were open to direction, open to discussion. And then they opened up their mouths to tell them about Jesus. That's all they did. I'm like, oh, you guys are praying? And you guys are praying here because you're Jews? Right? Remember the Lydia, the God-fearer? Right? This is somebody who believes in the promises of the Old Testament of the Jewish God. And so they just told them, guys, everything that you're praying for, God answered that prayer. And his name is Jesus. And Paul wasn't the only one talking, guys. If you would go back again and look, it said that she was listening. We sat down and spoke to the women. So all of them. So Timothy got a turn to tell him about Jesus and what God did in his life. Luke got a turn because he was there. Silas got a turn. And there's Paul. Could you imagine that sermon hearing? All right, tag, you're it. Go in there, bro. And then here comes Silas. And I tag, you're in Timothy. Boom, Timothy slides in there, right? And then Luke shows up and Paul comes in, batting cleanup, right? And that's what Paul is doing. So I would have loved to have heard that conversation, the back and the forth, as these guys are pleading with all of these women and telling them about the love of Jesus, what Jesus did for them on the cross, how he was the perfect substitute. Again, these are Jewish people, so they are, I'm sure they're hammering all of those things. And the fact that he rose from the dead, confirming that he wasn't just a good guy, but that he was God himself. And so they opened up their heart to share the testimony. All they did was opened up their mouth to tell them the truth on why they believed. And then there was what God did. First off, God is the one active in all these moments so far. But then what did the verse, we read it a couple times. Did you hear what it says? The Lord opened up Lydia's heart to respond. All she was doing was listening. And as she's listening, something happens and God opens up her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And what was Paul saying? Trust in the Lord Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Call on his name and he will restore you to him and you will be brought back with your heavenly father and receive eternal life. That is what he is telling her. And God opened up her heart to respond. And I had to double back on that word. I was curious about that word open. And I looked back and you know what the word open means? It means literally it's this expression of being when something is first born. That's the word open. In the same way, like, you know, I guess, you know, somebody, you know, things got to open up and, and the kids show up, right? That's, that's the, literally it. God opens up her heart. And this was a sign when it says she opened up her heart. It didn't mean God helped her to understand. God made it sense in, no. This was a word that Luke was saying, no. And she was born again in that moment. She believed, that was her response, but she was regenerated. God awakened her and she believed in that and was saved. And so I love, that was such a beautiful expression because in essence, guys, what God did while they were talking was she was resurrected in that moment spiritually. That's what happened. 
Lydia was resurrected. As she was listening, she was resurrected spiritually. And she went from existing to now living and responded to the love of Jesus. And she surrendered. And notice, it wasn't just her. It was her whole household. It was everybody. Everybody that was under her auspice. And so that is so amazing to be able to see that God resurrected her to respond to him. And, I, and you got to, this is the, the beauty and the wonderful thing, guys, about what God does. See, you and I, we can't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. And this is where God gets all of the glory and God gets all of the praise. Because he didn't just do something to be able to say, like the image that is always used is, could you imagine if you're out in, in the ocean and you're kind of like floating out there? Um, and you're drowning. I don't know if anyone's ever had that or struggled with that. Um, but if you if you had that, imagine you're out there in the middle of the ocean and you're in trouble. And then somebody just throws you a life raft and you got to grab the life raft and then God pulls you in. Okay. No, see, when God saves us, it's better than that. It's not that you're drowning and you need to be saved. No, it's that you have drowned and you are at the bottom of the ocean. And God, from his loving hand, scoops you up from the pit, brings you up. And literally what we were singing about earlier, dry bones coming to life, that's it. He didn't just save you because you were drowning. No, he resurrected you and reversed death because you had drowned in your sin. And that's all on him. And when Lydia came to that <gasps> realization, I know I've had that. And some of you, you know what that's like when everything just opens up. Like you've seen like in the movies, right? Where somebody's just dead and they're like, clear, you know? And then they take that first breath. Like, <gasps> that's exactly what happened to Lydia in this moment. It happened to Timothy. It happened to Paul. We read that. It happened to Silas. It happened to Luke. And it happened now to Lydia. They traveled all of this way. Went from Asia to Europe for one lady. Was it worth it? For one, it was. We were just singing, right, about the extent that God does. Lydia could not come to Paul. For some reason, Paul had to go to her. And that's exactly us, guys. You and I, we can't go to God. In our sin, we could not go to him. He came to us by dying on the cross for us and being that perfect substitute for our sins. That's what God did for her. That's what he did for us. He paid it all so that we can be saved. But I love this whole story. Look at how this, the Lydia's life was transformed. And, the, and Paul and Silas, could you say that they were walking in the will of God at this, mo at this moment, guys? Would you say so? Yes or no? Yeah, they were walking in God's will. Somebody's getting saved. Were they able to discern God's voice turn by turn the whole time? No. They didn't discern. They were able to walk in his will without having to discern his voice every step of the way. And I want you to know, again, that's possible. Because I want you to avoid the two extremes of when you think God's in every little, he's in the whisper, he's in the tree, the leaf just fell. What are you saying, right? And so like you're all like, now when you hyper all of that, now you can, you, you can interpret too much, think too much. You could overdo it and make a ton of mistakes, burn out, or you can be the opposite. Well, I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then you do nothing and then you miss out. While somebody like Lydia is nearby, and all you had to do was open up your mouth. But God, God, do you want me to talk to that person or that person? I know I'm not the only one. God, do I talk to that homeless person? And then you walk away. I didn't do it. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then you feel, now the whole drive back is, <sighs> right? Anybody, please? 
Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> and so I was like, wait, should I? Should I talk to her, her, him, her? Do I just stand up in the middle of Walmart and just start talking to everybody? Like, I don't know, what do I do? And so you see how it could be so overwhelming. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. What we see here is something amazing, but we also see a principle that I want us to outline is this, guys. Listen, if we can prioritize God's word, he will help us to discern his will. That's the thing that we see here. Paul and Silas, this whole team, they prioritized the Old Testament. They pri- the church, Luke would habitually repeat this all throughout Acts, how they devoted themselves to the, uh, the teachings of the apostles, which were nothing but... Jesus' teachings, which were usually connected to the Old Testament. So this is why the Old Testament is still good for us, why we haven't thrown it out. It's amazing. And so, guys, what we see is this. Listen, if you prioritize the Word of God, you will be able to discern His will. Now, again, I know some of you, when you think His will, it's like, should I marry her or him? Should I marry this or that? Should I go here or there? Should I do this or do that? Right? That's where we think God's will is. But it is so much bigger. And, you, and I believe in God. God can providentially guide you to making wise decisions and wise moments and discern, hmm, maybe that's not an option. There's something not there. That's okay. But if you, you will be better able to discern his will when you prioritize God's word. You know how I know that? Because God said it. Let me show you a quick Old Testament and a New Testament verse to show that I'm not making this up. All right, can we do the New Testament? Let's go to Romans. Uh, Romans 12 Paul himself is talking, and in Romans 12, he spends 11 chapters talking about what Jesus has done for us. Here's Jesus. Here's who he is. Here's who we are, right? The whole Roman road, if you've ever heard of that. All have fallen. We've all, you know, committed sin, and the wages of sin is death, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, deserving death, but And then he always talks about, but praise God in Jesus Christ that we have salvation in his name if we believe and receive and there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God makes all things work together for our good, who he's called and whom he loves. And so he spends 11 chapters. Look at what Jesus is. Look who he is. Look who we used to be and look who we are now. And then in verse 12, in chapter 12, he shifts focus. So he's, he's kind of rounding third base. The point he's trying to make is this, guys. Because of what he's done, verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, what are the mercies of God? Jesus extend, God extending mercy on us through Jesus dying on the cross. Everything that he's been talking about. So that statement is a summary of Romans 1 through 11. In view of who Jesus is, in view of what he's done for us, the mercy and the grace I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for us. And so now he died so we can live. But now what we're trying to do is live so that others don't die. And so live as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is how you love God. When you live your life as a sacrifice for whom? Towards others. It's, we do it for God, but we do it to others. We live a sacrificial life towards other people. And this is how we worship God. God. Listen, you can't claim you love God if there's no love extended to people. You love God the way you love others. And so here he's trying to say that. And then in, look at verse 2. He says, so do not be conformed. Don't be stuck and molded according to this age, according to the world. But be transformed how? 
by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect what? Will. So do you see? And how are you transformed? What transforms you? The truth transforms you. The mercies of God, who he is, what he's done. And it's in your mind. So it's the truth. And so notice again, when you prioritize God's word, you're going to discern God's will. Who said it? Not me. Can't quote me on that. All right. Look, Paul is saying it. When you focus on who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and you prioritize his word, and you are transformed by the truth that God loves you, and that this is who God is, and you let that truth sink in, the more and more, and you, you're going to have to double back a lot and let that just kind of get grooves in there. The more you reflect and dive in on the truth of who God is, your mind is transformed. If your mind is transformed, your life is transformed. And because your mind is transformed, now you're thinking on a different level. And now you're able to spiritually, logically, and through reason discern, this is God's will, not that. Without necessarily having to say, thus saith the Lord. Isn't that pretty cool? It's kind of freeing there. That's very freeing to know. And guys, I want you to know it is freeing to love. But hold on. I told you there was an Old Testament one. So what's the Old Testament? Flip. Ezra. Y'all don't have to do it. I got it for you. Watch. Bow. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. It says in verse 9, it says that the gracious hand of God was on this man named Ezra. And what did Ezra do? so that God's grace could guide him as a leader of the nation of Israel. What did Ezra do, guys? He says, now Ezra had what? Determined, committed, 100% prioritized what? He determined in his heart to study God's word, the law, to what then? Obey it and then teach it. Teach it statutes and ordinance. Guys, how do you prioritize the word of God? How are you transformed by the truth? You know how you're not transformed? You read it, you close it, you walk away, don't do nothing. That doesn't work, okay? That's kind of like soap, all right? You can look at it, sniff it, but if you don't rub it, you don't apply the soap, you stink, okay? You just can't, I don't care how, hold, how long you hold it in here, you can, and just, just kind of waft it around you, you know? No, if you don't apply the soap, to your life, is it going to be effective? No. And so this is what, this is the same thing. To be transformed by the truth is not just to look at it, think about it, oh, that's cute, and walk away. No, it is to apply it. And notice he said, study it, interpret it. That's hard work, guys. But you study it, apply it. And here's the other one. You tell somebody about it. See, because now if all you do is, I'm going to study for myself, how selfish is that of you? How selfish is that for you to consume all of the truth of God just for you and you can benefit from it. But here's somebody else starving and you'd be like, I'll pray for you. You know, I'm like, no. So that's how we're transformed by the truth when it, watch me, when it comes in, through, out. There's the teaching part. That's how we are transformed. And the more we prioritize his word, we will discern his will. So God, it said here that God's hand, his gracious hand was on him for, to be able to live. And God, he didn't need a play-by-play -play from God. He didn't need one because God did enough to shape his mind. And so now his mind is thinking and it's aligned. And now Ezra, Paul, Paul's team, they're all doing things without even realizing that they're in line with God because, you see what it did? They prioritize his word daily. And then they were able to discern God's will. 
And I'll, I'm going to give you one whole summary because I was like, man, this is a lot to interpret this whole thing. I get it. Listen, I'm, I am down Alice's rabbit hole in more ways than one. In my, especially this whole summer, I've had to do a whole class on biblical interpretation. Man, the, the cocoon I'm in is insane, okay? And so I'm going to just spare you from it. But it's good things because there's some deep, very difficult stuff to really go after. And I'm sure we've all looked at some of those and like, how do we wrestle with these big questions? And so I get it. But you know what? Here's what's beautiful about God's word. It's so genius. The way God has literally made himself known to us, even through language arts, in that the gospel is so basic that a child can understand it and begin with it. But it is so deep that even the smartest, most intellectual theologian can never get to the bottom of it. It, and, and Spurgeon would say this, that the more you swim in this, the deeper you, uh, the, 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 the deeper you go in it, the wider it becomes. And that's, that's the truth of God. This is the original artificial intelligence. It's God, man. This is AI. It's insane. The, what God is. This, is. this is crazy. And it's living words because this is a living God who inspired it, who connects it. This is a testimony that points us to who he is. It's, it's, it's part of him. It's not him. We don't hold God in here. It's his word. It's amazing. But so let me give you one summary where I'm like, all right, what can we study and apply and teach others. All right, ready? Last one of the day. Go to Galatians. By the way, that sounds a little familiar. We just read in Paul's, second, in Paul's secondary um, missionary journey, he went by Galatia, and, Phil, and he's in Philippi. That's where um, Lydia was around that area. Pa later on, Paul would write letters to them, letters to the Galatians, letters to the Philippians. And so look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, where he brings this whole summary. This, you want to know what the Old Testament is in one sentence? Do you want to know what Jesus wants us to do in one whole sentence? Literally, this whole book, the cliff notes. I'm going to give it to you. It's found in Galatians 5:14 where Paul says for the whole law the whole word of God his whole his whole verbal re revelation is fulfilled in this one statement can we all read that online can you type it everybody let's all read it together love your neighbor as yourself God's entire law his purpose for your life is all, this is all of ours if you're believing Christ Jesus we all share the same purpose you know what your purpose is to love others, love your neighbor as God loves you. Now, how do you love you, right? How do you love you? I know it doesn't mean that, you know, I can be selfish, and so let me not be selfish. Let me be the opposite of what I, no. The, how can you love yourself? Not artificially. Jesus tells us this in John 13. He says, you love others as I love you. And so how do you love yourself? How do you treat yourself? Right? If you want to do something that's good for you, that's loving you, right? You're not going to trash your body on purpose because you're not loving yourself if you're trashing your body. Y'all feel me? You're not loving yourself if you're trashing your mind on purpose. So how do you love yourself? By allowing God to love you. By believing in the truth of God. By reflecting on who he is. You, by obeying his word. By prioritizing his word. Because this is what's best for you. He's what's best for you. That's how you love yourself right? In order to do what's best for you, what is best is God. And so what does he say? Love your neighbor. This is how it should look like. Whatever's coming in needs to come out and needs to look like that. The whole law is summed up in that. God's purpose for your life is to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? Some of you guys are going to hate this. I'm sorry. You're going to hate this. 
Online, you can roll your eyes. These guys, they're gonna roll their eyes. I can see it. You guys can roll your eyes online. But look, some of y'all gonna hate this. Some of y'all type A, obsessive, compulsive ones. You're gonna hate this. There's a lot of freedom outside of that. God's purpose for your life is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what about the... There's some freedom in those choices. You can wisely discern. I believe that God can give you a specific passion for maybe a, a field of study or a career or a people group. But you're not going to find the particulars unless you're doing the, the general. Jesus says, right, God himself said, if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in the big. And so why is God going to tell you, hey, well, what's my career? What do you want me to do? What school do you want me to go to? Bro, you're not even loving the person that you're sitting next to at church. Why am I going to tell you? Like, you're not ready for that. Y'all feel me? Like, you're not ready for this big thing when you're not even doing the most basic thing, which I just told you, just love the person next to you. Try that. Start there. You see? And that's what he's talking about. Love the person that is nearest to you. Next to you, just love them. And the Holy Spirit will tell you how to love them in the moment. You might not know. Maybe it's, a ver maybe it's a word. Maybe it's an expression. Maybe it's this. You do not know. But again, here's the thing. It's not on you. Because who opened up Lydia's heart to respond? Who did it? God did it. It wasn't Paul's phrase. It wasn't the team's efforts. It, it wasn't their, you know what? They spent days preparing this sermon. All right, no, they're ready. Wait, wait, wait till they hear this. It wasn't that. It was literally God through imperfect people. Guys, you do not know what God can do when you are just faithful with the general things. Well, God, what do you want me to do? Why are you trying to listen for a still small voice when God has already spoken? Love your neighbor. And if you check this out, and if you start there, you'll know, you'll figure it out. And you'll be doing things you don't know. Listen, guys, be careful with this because I'm not saying that God cannot providentially, meaning in specific moments, in key moments in your life. I'm not saying that he can't speak to you through an individual. And I'm not saying that he can't speak to you through a dream. Um, Paul only had six recorded dreams, only. So if, if you're dreaming with Jesus every single day, red flag. Okay, um, so I'm just saying. No, that's, you don't overcompose that stuff. You know, it's in every little thing, you know. No, it's too much. Be careful. Um, I'm not saying that God doesn't do those things providentially in moments, okay? But here's the thing. There's a lot of people who put a lot of effort into interpreting every bit of that dream, interpreting every bit of this prophetic voice, interpreting everything, the sky, the moon, the stars, the this, the that, how I felt when the pelitos and the hair back of my hair just go up like that, right? And they're, they're all like interpreting everything. They're putting a lot of energy in interpreting his voice. But you know what? If you would put half that energy in trying to interpret this you will figure out what he's trying to tell you. You see that? Do that. I'm not telling you that he can't do that, but I'm telling you, if you put that energy in trying to interpret this, you'll be able to discern God's leading more. It's here, not in the other stuff, because, man, there's some, there's some Christians out there that they, they interpret their dreams in the same way that it looks like psychics try to interpret tarot cards. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it like that like that. That's the same, that you don't go extra. Go extra here. And then you'll be able to figure out the other stuff. But again, here's the thing, guys. When you do the basics, you'll be shocked at what God can do. And to me, speaking of, I think this was providence. Providence is when things happen at the right time, at the right moment, and it's God. Something happened providentially this week. I wasn't ready for it. And... 
and, and especially in line of what the text was going to be, I'm like, you're ridiculous in a, in a great way. So I'm going to tell you a story, real story, about one of our own. I guarantee you she's watching online. I don't know if you can confirm that. Um, her name is Patty. And this is an example of this, that when you prioritize God's word, you're going to find yourself discerning God's will and even walking in it without even knowing it. And so check this out. Some of you know, uh, I gave you part A of the story um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were doing a small group uh, about the engagement project, and Patty was there. And it was amazing to see how God connected Patty to us. And it all started with the Facebook post. That was it. And so Patty goes and makes this Facebook post online. And I guess a friend of a friend, it, that, that post showed up on your timeline, John, right? And so John, being the social butterfly that this guy is, you know, I mean, I swear, like, he has a spiritual gift of connecting people, networking. It's insane. That, that, is, that has to be one. And so here's John. He sees a Facebook post. He sees somebody engaging. He just casually engages on in a Facebook post and then eventually introduces her to our church. She starts watching online and she starts seeing all the Sunday services. She can't come. She lives in Newport Ritchie here nearby, but uh, she's wheelchair bound. She really can't get around like that. So she watches online. So Patty, if you're here, all right, we love you. And so Patty watches. She don't miss. And then she saw that we were going to have a small group for a couple of weeks called the Engagement Project for a couple of months. And you know what? I didn't hear a, Tito, do a small group on Wednesday at 7.30 at this time with these people, you know, with this curriculum. It wasn't. I, I was like, you know what? God has spoken in his word that us as believers, we have to love one another. And part of loving one another is knowing one another. And part of knowing one another also includes growing God's word together. So you know what? Sundays, we're good. We need to do something in which we're growing in community and we're studying God's word together. God didn't tell me to do that. He already did. Y'all process me? He already did. So, and I'm like, you know what? This engagement project looks interesting. There was something about it. I didn't hear a confirmation. The sky didn't open. An angel didn't come down and just, he didn't do nothing. I just did it. So we did it. So we're doing it. She sees it. She logs on. She's watching every week. Some of you that, that were here, you could see Patty's little, sweetest little voice when she would get on there, man. And she, she's watching. She's engaging. She's wrecked. One of those moments, we read Galatians 5, 4, 5 uh, 14, the one we said, where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And literally, it's as simple as that. If every Christian would love the neighbor that you live next to, literally in your neighborhood, if every Christian loved their neighbor next to you, we could reach the whole country. Literally like this, if every neighbor just reached the two people behind you and in front of you, if every Christian did that, we could reach the majority of the country instantly. And so she does, she sees that God opened her heart to respond to that, to that word. She was like, God, I feel compelled to love you and I feel compelled to love my neighbor. And so she rolls her sweet, her sweet self across the street. Now, you know what she didn't do? All right, God, I got all these houses. Which one? You know, send a bird to land down at the one house and whatever house the bird lands on, that's the one I'm going to. She didn't do that. You know what she just said? That one. Okay. She just went. She just, you know, all right, rolled herself across the street. She goes, knocks on the door and talks to a neighbor that she's only met, you know, like the neighbor that you have next to you that you're only like, oh. Right? That's it. Like the, the nod. And that's the extent of your conversations. That's the extent of your interactions. She felt compelled. I felt convicted. I got to stop doing that. She goes to the one. She's talking to the, she's talking to the lady. Turns out that the lady had a daughter. Turns out the daughter's name is also named Patty. And Patty has pancreatic cancer. And it's pretty bad. And she ends up uh, 
our Patty, our Patty, she goes with this little knickknack with yellow flowers on it as a little gift, something she just had and then she goes and she gave it to the girl. And the girl's response was, how did you know? Patty's like, what are you talking about? How do I know? How did you know yellow flowers are my favorite? She's like, I didn't. I just picked it. It was yellow. <laughs> it was like, I just grabbed it. And so that was amazing. She was like, well, how did you know it was my favorite? And so then that led to some conversations. And she's, it's a severe pancreatic cancer stages. And she's very scared of dying. Scared of dying. And I shared the story a couple weeks ago. And so she's talking and, and she and Patty's talking to her. And, and there's something about Patty that, that the other Patty sees. And she, our Patty asks neighbor Patty, are you scared? She says, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of dying. And then she asks this beautiful question. Can you show me how not to be scared? Patty's like, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this was too easy. Like, and this was it. And she said, oh, it was scary. She, at first she thought it was scary, but she said, the more I obeyed, the easier it got. It was actually not that hard. It wasn't scary to be able to do this. And God has given her words in the moment. And they're having a beautiful conversation about Jesus. That's where the testimony ended a couple weeks ago. Part two happened this Monday, I believe. I heard about it on Tuesday. So this happened this week. In between that conversation and what happened this Monday, Tuesday, um, our Patty had trouble trying to meet with her neighbor, Patty, again. Um, she had gotten really sick. She had she was super tired. Every time Patty would go wheel herself across the street and she would knock, uh, Patty was sleeping. She was just tired. It was really consuming her body. She could not do much. She had very little energy to do anything. And so now Patty, our Patty, she, she was telling me the story crying. She was panicked. I'm like, oh, no. Did, did I? Is, is she really sleeping? Is the mom trying to keep her because she's hearing me telling her about Jesus? So is the mom being weird now? Did, did I overstep my boundary? Did I say too much? Did I offend the other Patty? Did I offend the mom? And now here's our Patty just soaking in fear, soaking in worry, thinking that she, it's now her fault and she's ruined it. I, I haven't been able to talk to her and I can't. I don't know when. Well, her door knocked on Monday. Her door knocked this Monday. And it was Patty's mom. And Patty's mom comes to her on Monday, no, Tuesday, I'm sorry, I think it was Tuesday, whatever. She knocks on the door, she opens up, and there's neighbor Patty's mom. Neighbor Patty's mom has to tell our Patty, hey Patty, I'm here to tell you my daughter passed away yesterday. She died. And she was holding this. Mike, can you put it up for a second? And then I'll tell you in a minute just to, just to take it off so that way online doesn't have to look at it too much. She's holding this in her hands. Now, she's explaining to Patty as she's holding this, like, listen, my daughter, she was really sick. She was really tired. She couldn't really do much. And she's telling her, it's like, you know how scared my daughter was. But ever since she started talking to you, her attitude changed. And over the last two weeks, she had, she had been so full of peace. She stopped being scared. She wasn't scared anymore. All she had was peace in her heart. And then she hands our Patty a bouquet of flowers. Remember, it all started with a little knickknack of flowers, right? She says, my daughter, as tired as she was, she spent her final days making this for you. Took all those tissues by hand, and made a bouquet of flowers. I don't know if you can read the sign, but it says, thank you for your kindness on the sign. 
And so I might at least sync it with them. They can split it so you, they can see me. And so Patty, she's overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, she's passed away. I don't get a chance to talk to her anymore. And she now, the mom gives her this bouquet and she says, my daughter promised, she told me to promise her. It's like, when I pass away, I want you to give this to my neighbor, Patty, and I want you to tell her, thank you for your kindness. I have gone to be with Jesus. Thank you for your kindness. I've gone to be with Jesus. So Patty was, she couldn't help but praise God and like saying, oh, you did it, God, in the same way that God opened up Lydia's heart to respond. At some point, God opened up neighbor Patty's heart to respond. And Patty didn't know. She, didn't, she wasn't there. But at some point, she did. And she responded to the love of God and the peace that was so overwhelming with her. Her mom got to see it. And now here's Patty and her mom and they're crying. And now here's Patty now getting to minister and pray to her with her mother. And so it's just round and round we go. And guys, I just say this because this was not complicated and we complicate this way too much. I'm going to talk to the church and talk to Christians. You, let's not complicate this. She didn't need to hear. She wasn't waiting for a sign to know which house. She just went to a house. And she didn't know who to talk to. She just talked to somebody. And look at the providence of God between the flowers, between this. What did Patty do? She was living in God's will step by step. Why? Because she prioritized God's word by showing up on Sundays, by reading it daily. You know, she's home. And so she's spending all this time with God. And then we hear that word, love your neighbor. Okay, God, I'm going to do it. It just... I'm going to pick one. And we just see the providence of God in all things. Look at uh, providence on Facebook, bro. Really? You, did God tell you? Comment on that girl's post right there. You just did it. And look how God did a simple comment on a post to an invite to a church, to an invite to a small group, which other, we just showed up. And then Patty says, this is not my testimony. This was ours because it was hearing her. Patty was convicted and shaped by your testimonies and you and you and those of you that were in the small group, you guys that were in there. It was your prayers together. It was your comments to her that encouraged her as well. And so this wasn't not, it's not, it's not her testimony. This is not even our testimonies. This is a testimony about the power of God who he deserves all of the glory because it's all him. He's the one that was doing it all. And look at it, guys. That Patty would have never, she would have died in her fear and died in her sin, died in her cancer if our Patty would have overcomplicated it. Instead of just saying, God just told me to love somebody, so I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to let God handle the rest. And God, guide me there. And guys, listen. The same God who opened up Jesus' tomb on the third day is the same God who's opening up tombs and resurrecting people today. It is that same spirit of God who's opening up hearts and resurrected people respond. A dead person can't respond. A resurrected person responds. And how do you respond? By running to Christ. Whatever it is, I don't care if you're tripping and falling all over yourself. Listen, you're going to get to Jesus with scrapes and bumps and tooth mist. I don't care. You run to him Run to him and you let others know that's all. If God has opened up your heart to respond, the response is the same as his. It's just love. And he will lead the rest of the way. If you love, 
He will lead you the rest of the way. And so I know that God is opening up hearts to respond today. And online, I don't have to see you to know. And some of you, you may be a, you may be a Lydia or you may be a Patty. That you're just there with questions and struggles and you don't know and you're looking for answers. And if God is opening up your heart to respond, it is not because of this fancy story, this tearjerker. It's not. I didn't need to say it this way. It's all God himself. It is God who's doing it. And if, if you're that Lydia, if you're a Patty, listen, I'm telling you, just respond to, the, respond to Jesus. Believe in him, trust in him, and know he did this and all because of his great love for you. Trust in him and he will fill the void. Listen, we all have a hole in our heart and the only thing that can fill the hole in your heart is a holy God. That's the only thing. The love of people and the love of things and this world is only temporary. In fact, Ice Wars, it numbs you to the wound that you really have. It numbs you. It doesn't heal you. But the love of Jesus, and I don't care who you are, what you've done. Some of us, you don't even know what it's like to be loved. All you know is to be rejected. And all you know what it's like is to try to earn and try to prove. No, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Jesus was rejected so that he, you could be accepted. And all you have to do is believe and receive and he'll open up your hearts. And for all of the believers, if God has opened up your heart to respond, what is that response? To love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's going from the, hey, to, uh, hey, what's your name? That's a step. You don't even have to make a big step. You know, maybe for some of you, you're going to have barbecues over this weekend. Why don't you knock on one of your neighbor's door and invite him over? And if they don't come over, that was weird. He invited me over. I wonder who he is. Cut somebody's grass. Do something. Love them. I don't need to tell you this. And God doesn't. You know how to love people. Just love them. Serve them. If you love, God will lead you to do the rest. But I don't want you to miss out on testimonies like this. And I don't want you to burn out too by overthinking, man, just let God love you and let his love lead you. I know that sounds too simple, but that's the good news. If you let Jesus love you and you let his love shape you and influence you and form you, then that love is going to lead you. It's going to lead you. And you will find yourself doing things, walking in his will, and doing things that will last for eternity without even recognizing it. See, there was one verse that I didn't mention. I'm going to mention it now because I just ran out of time on Sunday. But Jesus says in Matthew 25, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to come up to him and say, well, Jesus is going to tell them. Thank you for visiting me when I was in prison. Thank you for helping me when I was sick and giving me water when I was thirsty. And I was like, these people are going to say, when did we ever do that for you? And he says, well, what you did for the least of these is like you did it for me. And see, here's people who didn't realize that they were making kingdom impact. Why? Because they were just loving people. Their focus was on loving people, not necessarily leaving a legacy. Their focus was loving. And in reality, they were being loved by God and that love was leading them. And so guys, that's the reality of it. Don't overcomplicate this. When you don't know what to do specifically, make sure you're doing what God has told us literally what to do. Love your neighbor as yourself.